I'm not gonna raise my voice. Yes! I'm really good at basketball for a puppet. What just happened? I drink your milkshake. What's up with those shorts? It's either super good or super bad. Unreasonable Doubt, a podcast about West Virginia University basketball, starts now. Hello. From the Dyer Prime Studio in Nitro, West Virginia, this is Unreasonable Down, a podcast about West Virginia University basketball. I'm Josh Witt. Episode 6, North Texas? This should be the Robert Morris episode. But, Robert Morris game canceled on Wednesday because pandemic. And I don't think this is accurate, but what I have in my head is West Virginia University gets on Instagram and just starts DMing fellow colleges. Hey, want to come to Morgantown to play a game in the next couple of days? Hey, you busy? You know, I can picture whoever's running the WVU IG account. (laughs) Looking to see if people have read the message. Oh, oh, wait. They read it. Oh, I don't see the bubbles yet. Oh, man. All right, go to the next one. And so DMing colleges, DMing colleges. And then they, they see a read notice from University of North Texas. And then they see the dots like, oh, here we go. Here we go. And the dots like, yeah, I'm down or whatever. <laughs> We'll be there. And so North Texas gets the Morgantown real quick like. And they play a 3 p.m. game on a Friday because pandemic. There's nobody in the Coliseum. Handful of people. Dozens of people. Like picture how many people are listening to this podcast that you're listening to. That many people were in the Coliseum. Okay? And what played out was very weird. It was a weird game. West Virginia plays terrible in the first half. That's that's not weird. It's just so. And West Virginia played awesome in the second half. And it was more awesome in the second half than terrible in the first half. And WVU beats the Mean Green of North Texas. What a great nickname. They beat the Mean Green by 12, 62-50. Weird game? Well, it wasn't like a, a full moon game like the Gonzaga game, but these things are true. North Texas went over eight minutes without scoring in the first half. There was a stretch where they didn't score. And after that eight-minute stretch of not scoring, they were only down five points. <laughs> And because of that, they ended up leading by eight at the half because, you know, they scored some. And then guess what? Second half, the mean green comes out, and they don't score until seven minutes into the second half. That time, not so lucky for the mean green. WVU scored 18 straight during that time. The game is 40 minutes. In two stretches lasting 15 of those 40 minutes, North Texas scored, they didn't even get like free throws in those 15 minutes. They scored zero points 
And then the other 25 minutes, they scored 50 points. <laughs> so those other those other 25 minutes, they were, by my math, averaging two points a minute. Huggins was sending messages. He did not like what he saw from Culver and Oscar, so they didn't play for a bunch of the first half. Uh, he didn't like what anybody was doing, essentially, but you got to put five guys out there. So at one point, Jalen Bridges was running the four, and Gabe was at the five. I mean, it, there was some weird lineups in the first half, only because he there's a few guys that he absolutely did he had seen enough of them in the first half. Second half, Culver responds, has a strong second half, ends up with a double-double. Tash Sherman does his usual second half thing. And they WVU again, they scored 18 points in that second scoreless streak. And it still wasn't out of hand. I mean, North Texas got it to within four or five later in the second half before WVU pulled away. So I don't know what to make of this game. Shot Robot kind of broke out of his slump. Cottrell looked really good today. So we're six games into the season. And what do we know? Like, what can we definitively say about this team six games into the season? And it, you, it can be definitive for these six games. That's what I'm going for. Let me give you, let me give you some things. First of all, this team is a second-half team. Six games into the season? Better in the second half than the first half. Six games in, WVU is plus six in the first half. Like, they've only outscored their six opponents by six points in the first half. And three of those games, they were behind, including this game, down eight at the half to North Texas. WVU is plus 36 in the second half. And with the... With the exception of the Gonzaga game, they were outscored by Gonzaga in the second half. Now, some of that is obvious. There's been a lot of foul trouble. Uh, and today, they just weren't playing with energy. And Huggins, you know you know Bob Huggins, right? At this part of the season, even though we've played six games in a fairly short amount of time, he still has the... I'm going to send a message like we're it's not doghouse. Nobody's in the doghouse yet, which is weird. Six games in. But hey, I've seen enough of you. Like he does play that card early in the season or anytime he wants, but especially early in the season. And he did that today to make a statement to some guys and some responded and some didn't. Second thing I know, six games in. Oscar's in a slump. He did not score today in 13 minutes. Like, I've been giving him the benefit of the doubt. Like, Oscar's been okay. Today was not okay. He was 0 for 5. He was one of those guys that Huggins was saying, uh, sit over there and watch them play because you're not ready to play. And that this is what Huggins said after the game. Quote, He's not running the way he ran before. And he's not shooting the ball from the foul line or 15 feet the way he shot before. 
and he hasn't finished anything he's had inside. He was a terrific finisher, and he's not finishing the ball inside. Unquote. Like, everything that Huggins just said that Oscar's not doing, (laughs) outside of rebounding. Now, Huggins didn't say anything about how Oscar can rebound. Oscar, through six games, still a great rebounder. But all those things, like the things that how you would describe Oscar to somebody who's never seen him play, you'd say, like, he's he runs really fast and runs both sides of the floor. Towards the end of the season last year, he was making the mid-range shot, and he was making free throws, so he was making shots. And when he'd get the ball down low, he doesn't have a lot of moves, but he could bank it and put it in. <laughs> that quote, Huggins slashed everything I would use to describe Oscar outside of rebounding. And then Oscar's looking over and looking on the court and seeing Isaiah Cottrell. And Cottrell finished an alley-oop, which that's a rare bird for WVU. In the half-court set, like it wasn't even a transition. Deuce just threw it from the left side over to the right side and Cottrell dunked it. Cottrell did like a a fadeaway 10-footer, which was awesome. Like, he was very comfortable. That's the most comfortable I've seen Cottrell outside of the Gonzaga game as far as just putting up shots, not not hesitating, like confidence. And so Oscar, he's slumping and then seeing the guy that could be taking more of his minutes. So I've been giving Oscar the, ah, Oscar's been, eh, and today was oof. Like, we transitioned from eh to oof. He overshot a two-footer by two feet today. Like, that happened. That was one of the... And then he had two mid-range shots. And it's one thing if I don't think you're going to make it. And I'm kind of hard on Oscar and Gabe when somebody's giving them, like, six feet, like, daring them to shoot. And they're like, okay, I'll shoot it. I always feel like, all right, well, they're doing that for a reason because you might, you're probably not going to make it. But so it's one thing if I don't think you're going to make it, but if you don't think you're making it, that's a problem. And Oscar's two mid-range shots a day, he immediately started running after it, and they weren't even close. Okay, Oscar is super talented, and I think he's going to get better as as the season progresses. But six games in. And this performance today, he's in a slump. Third thing I know, Taz Sherman lives for the second half. He scored 72 points this season. 53 of those have come in the second half. Including today, he scored 13. 11 of those 13 came in the second half. You know, Shot Robot's been struggling with shooting And I read on the internet, hey, Taz needs a start. But the numbers are saying it doesn't matter if Taz starts or not, as long as he's playing in the second half. Because in the second half, he needs to be on the floor. I've said on this podcast before, when the guy who's starting the run is Taz, the guy who's who's stopping a, a shooting slump is Taz, 
Like he lives to break ties. He's on the floor in these games. You know, when when you're down half of the time at the half, you need a guy like Taz that is going to make shots in the second half. When he's open of anybody on the team, if he's open and shooting a three in the second half, it's the opposite of what I feel about Oscar's mid-range shot. Like, I feel the most confident, even with a shot robot on the team, I feel like if Taz is open, he's making a shot. So... Super impressed with Taz Sherman, especially his second half play. And he's in your closing five. Like, he's got to be out there. And I think the closing five right now, six games in, it's Deuce, Shot Robot, Taz, Gabe, and Culver. That's who I want out there to close out the game. So that's three. Four, speaking of my buddy Gabe and Culver, Gabe and Culver are two of the three best passers on the team. You could I'm not going to say they are the two best. I would assume there's a guard that passes better than those two, but they're two and they're one and three or two and three on the team. Culver, the second half today, I mean, he did everything better, right? But second half, He's got the ball. Emmett's cutting. He finds him for a dunk. North Texas brings double teams. He, with ease, finds the open person out of the double team for easy baskets or uncontested shots. Culver had three assists today. He, the high-low is the best when Culver is the high. Like that, you know the pass is going where it needs to go. Culver, especially the second half today, great passing the ball. Gabe is the best post feeder on the team. If it's not Culver feeding the high low, it should be Gabe. I mean, it's weird, right? Like you, going into the season, the strength of the team is your inside presence. But the guards don't know how, and these guys are multiple-year players. They have a hard time getting our big guys the ball on the block. I want Culver shooting it. He's proven himself six games in. Nobody can get it to him. Now, today versus North Texas, we did a better job. The guards did a better job of feeding the post. But... I don't think it's a bad thing that two of your big guys are your best passers. It's just there right now there's a gap in passing between those two guys and a lot of the other guys on the team. Just not a good passing team. It's I, I don't know if you can fix that. But that's what it is. Speaking of Gabe, best post feeder on the team, best defender on the team. He's made all of his threes this year. He's only shot one. He got nine rebounds for you today. Like, Gabe, last year wasn't filling up a stat sheet but made his presence known. This year, he's filling the stat sheet and doing the things he did last year. So impressed by Gabe. And not feeling bad that his contribution is so much greater like you would be maybe concerned about that, like that 
But Gabe is, I'm not concerned. I like that Gabe is one of the seven most important guys on the team. It's fantastic. Another thing that I know, fifth thing, and this is this is six games in, but I think this is going to be for the season. Jordan McCabe's role is now a role player. Like, that happened. Like, I had him as a starter going into the season. He started almost all the games last year. He started late in his freshman year. Huggins is loyal to his guys. And so I'm going into the season saying, yeah, his numbers declined, but if he's working on a shot, Huggins is going to have McCabe out there. And so without... I'm just going to tell you what's happened in McCabe's career, okay? And how it's how it's translated to results for WVU. His freshman year, he averaged 19 minutes a game. Okay, so that, by minutes, is the most McCabe has contributed. That was a terrible team two years ago. Terrible strong. That was a bad team. Okay? A lot of sad games that year. Sophomore year, his his minutes dropped to 14 minutes a game. He's starting, but you remember last season, quick trigger as far as McCabe getting pulled for Deuce. The minutes go down, and last year's team was, was much improved versus the previous team, okay? And so his junior year, his minutes are down. Like, he played six minutes a day. Like two of his of the first six games, he hasn't cracked double digits in minutes. And so his junior year, six games in, he's nine minutes a game. And WVU is right around the top 10 in polls, top six or seven in Ken Palm. I'm just saying, what it's not, it doesn't mean that one has to do with the other. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just explaining what I'm seeing, okay? And then the last thing that I know six games into the season is that pandemic fatigue and the year 2020, think about all the stuff that's happened and how much you probably don't even remember that's happened because pandemic. So, you know, we're we're nine months into this thing and then basketball season starts and WVU is playing a close game every game. Like, there's no ah, take-a-deep-breath games, good or bad. And six games in, zero relief. So 2020 and all this coming with 2020, plus close game every game, it's not good for my physical health. And that I know. Random thoughts coming up. Dyer Prime is the lead sponsor of Unreasonable Doubt. It's Christmas season, and Dyer Prime can help you with a certain Christmas item this holiday season. Stocking. You know, you fill up the stocking. You don't. Santa does. What if you could get a professionally embroidered stocking with a human name or pet name on it? Dyer Prime can do that. Limited quantities exist. Fine fancy-looking stockings with your name embroidered on it. Call or text Dyer Prime to find out more, 304-767-4445, 
or find them on Facebook or Instagram. Just search for Dyer Prime, D-Y-E-R-P-R-I-M-E. Random thoughts for this episode of Unreasonable Doubt. This was the first ESPN Plus game. So let's let's focus on the ESPN Minus. We'll start with the ESPN Minus and then get back to the ESPN Plus. ESPN Minus, you took away my Rob King. And I knew that. I knew that was going to happen. You took away my Twin Lawyers commercial. I held out hope. No Twin Lawyers on ESPN+. Plus. You took away my Goodwin and guys, just as I was getting hip to. Get the good guys. I think that's how it went. Goodwin and guys. Took that away. You took away, like, this game ended and it, like, it just ends. Because you're streaming it just for that game. Like, you have to press a button to watch the game. And there's no, like, programming. (laughs) It's not sandwiched in between something that happened before the game and something that happened afterwards. So you took away the smash cut after the game. Like, this was already in progress. And then it cut to, like, an old hockey player. Like, tell me about playing for the Penguins that one time. Like, I, I, no more of that. ESPN Plus, you show the same sequence of commercials every break without deviation and not like the three-second like all the ESPN, uh, <laughs> all the ESPN personalities, that like the quick hitters. It was just the same three to five commercials over and over again. So that's all ESPN minus. ESPN plus, I keep my Warren Baker. And I haven't had strong feelings about Warren Baker in the past, but having this feeling that I might lose Warren Baker, uh, distance makes the heart grow fonder. So seeing Warren Baker at the beginning of the game, it brought... It brought a, I was not expecting this, a warmth to my heart to see Warren Baker talking through a mask at the Coliseum. It made me happy. I tried to, like, what did that, how have I felt like that in the past? It's like, I went to church camp. Did you go to church camp in the summer? I went to church camp. And church camp, the the church camps I went to, they were separated by age group. Like you'd go to a like a two year window. Everybody there is like one one year apart, right? So it's like you show up to church camp and you think, and you made a friend last year, but you thought that that friend was going to bump up to the next level of age while you was going to stay the same. And then you show up to church camp and your friend's there. You didn't expect it. That's how I felt with Warren Baker today. Another feeling like you haven't had your grandmother's food in a while. And then she drops off some chicken and dumplings. And you love her chicken and, the chicken and dumplings. And she hasn't made it in a while. And you warm it up in the microwave. And you start eating. And you're like, oh my gosh. I miss this so much. That's how I felt about seeing Warren Baker today. It's irrational. Again, very indifferent 
me personally about Warren Baker, but I thought I was going to not have Warren Baker in my life and then getting him, it made me happy. So that's an ESPN plus. But the key, that was the key ESPN plus the close second. You know, you're watching ESPN plus and when halftime comes around, there's no halftime show, you know, they, they don't cut to the studio. You don't have any of that. It's just commercials. And then I guess something happens where there's some kind of breakdown on site. So I, you know, candidly, I turned off the streaming for a portion of halftime. Then I brought it back on in the middle of halftime. And what I saw was a camera focused on the Mountaineer. He was at the Coliseum. He was sitting in the stands. He had his mask on and he had his arm around a cardboard cutout. And he was just, he was bopping his head to the music. (laughs) The music for dozens of people that's there and cutouts. But the Mountaineer is there and he's, and he's he's doing he's dancing while seated, <laughs> bobbing his head, arm around a cardboard cutout. Now, how long does it, this last? It was probably ninety seconds. It felt way longer than that. It almost felt intrusive, like we're spying on the mountaineer at the Coliseum. <laughs> it, it had a it had a weekend at Bernie's feel to it. Like I was expecting the Mountaineer to put some sunglasses on the cardboard cutout. And so it should be, you watch that, and looking back, I'm like, I should have felt sad because it it drives home the point that we're in a pandemic, there's nobody in the Coliseum, and you're only seeing this because we're in a pandemic, right? You're not... Even if it's ESPN Plus, you're not. I'm not going to tune in in the middle of halftime and see the <laughs> see the Mountaineer with his arms around with his arm around a real person. <laughs> nodding to the music in the Coliseum, like you're not getting that. So that should be sad. However, I was not sad. The Mountaineer was happy. I don't know if he knew the camera was on him or not. He was happy. He was making it work. It made me laugh, and it made me happy. So thank you, Mountaineer. Thank you, Mascot, for something that could be perceived as super sad and reinforcing pandemic and the situation into and making it a happy moment. Final thoughts coming up. Unreasonable Doubt is on the social media. On Instagram, at Unreasonable Doubt WV. On Twitter, at I'm Josh Witt. On Facebook, go to that search bar thing and type in Unreasonable Doubt. Do it! Interact with the show.
Final thoughts for this episode of Unreasonable Down. Quick turnaround from this game to the next game. The next game for WVU at home in front of dozens, 1 p.m. versus the 19th ranked Richmond Spiders. They're undefeated. They're 4-0. They play quick, so they play quicker than North Texas. They were picked to win the Atlantic 10 Conference, so you see this pattern of WVU playing teams that's projected to win their conference, which is good for strength of schedule and seeding in an NCAA tournament. They have small but quick guards. They have a good 6'10 guy. Seems like everybody's got a good 6'10 guy. They have lots of contributing seniors, so very experienced team. That also seems to be a theme of WVU's opponents. Ken Pomeroy, not as high on the, on the Spiders as the AP voters, but this is a good team. They went to Kentucky and beat Kentucky, beat a good Northern Iowa team. What I'll say about Richmond Spiders having seen zero of their games and just basing that on box scores and, and the internet... As much as I love the nickname Mean Green, and let's be clear, I love the name, the mascot. It's an eagle. It looks like a bird, but they're the Mean Green. Okay? And that's an awesome nickname. Spiders? Not so much. Not a fan. It's a very polarizing nickname is what I'd say. You know, I guess what I'm saying is, I don't know a lot of spider fans in my life. And and that I'm a shelter, I may have lived a sheltered life, okay? But I've definitely in my lifetime heard more. Oh, is that a spider? Kill it. Wait, do you see that spider? Smash it with your with your shoe. I've definitely heard more of that in my lifetime than. Oh, cool. Look at that spider. Or excitement when seeing a spider. Like I just that's how I've lived my life. I'm just I'm just telling you. I don't know if the nickname Spiders is drawing people in to their web. <laughs> Anyways, this should be a good game. That's it for this episode of Unreasonable Doubt. Thank you for listening. Listen on all the platforms or just pick one. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Overcast, CastBox. Subscribe to the podcast. Wherever you're listening to this, hit the button. There's a button that you can press, and it'll make this podcast automatically download to your device. And I think that helps this podcast. Until next time, I'm Josh Witt. This has been Unreasonable Doubt. WVU for the 2020-2021 season. They're 5-1. and one.